Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part one of three parts of an episode from February 9th, 2015, a cold winter Monday. A little bit of a trigger warning. Um, If you don't like me getting chatty with my guests, which I admit I sometimes do, don't listen to this one. Uh, Andy Kaplow is my guest. We're talking about Sonny Rollins. The music is magnificent, and Andy is a key player. Uh, the central piece of this show is Sonny Rollins' only solo recording of his career, really, only substantial album-length recording of him playing solo. It was at the Museum of Modern Art in 1985. Andy produced that event and he shares some really brilliant insights about Sonny and about things that happened around that event. Uh, I am really inspired talking to Andy, but here's the other thing. Andy and I are great friends, and we really enjoy being around each other, and we get silly and stupid. There's a lot of chit-chat. There's probably more than maybe you might want to hear. So pick another episode. There's plenty of them. But uh, if you're digging the Sonny Rollins and you want to take this ride with us, come on along. And uh, hopefully you can get into the spirit that we are enjoying. We're talking a little too much, but we're not taking ourselves seriously. We're taking Sonny Rollins very seriously. I hope you do the same. All right, here we go. Another set of music. Another set of music. Thank you. 
I know what you're thinking. I hear you. You're saying... Well, I don't hear you. I don't hear you at all. Do you not hear me? <laughs> now I me. do. Yes. Yeah, there you are. Uh, you're thinking... That I'll sounds like the avant-garde, but I, I, I don't think I... I don't remember that track. Did they find a... They release it with an a extra hidden track or something? No, they didn't release it. That's just it. This is from the session, but it never came out. It never was... They, they recorded three nights. I think three sets a night. Mm. And That's nine sets. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That can't be right. Let me... Give me that pencil. Um, you're right. That's not... Uh, a lot of music, a lot of music from which they made one LP that is treasured by music fans the world over. For Much beloved. Decades. Much beloved. And um, all this other music just went back on the shelf and never got released. But thankfully, it drifted through the airwaves to WKCR Tonight. And that's what we're listening to. And even better than having Sonny Rollins. And Don Cherry and Billy Higgins and Bob Cranshaw on this spectacular recording. We've got Andy Kaplow doing sound effects for you. Yes, the crowd goes wild. I don't think anybody's actually listening no, to this. Oh, no, no. But we're having a good yes. time, which is what's important. Yes. Now, and if you donate now, not only will Andy come to your house. Oh, wait, no, we're not having the fundraiser. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, this it, it, this music is a thrill. It really is. It real. I'm. It's it's captivating. The way that Sonny Rollins and Don Cherry's sound of those two horns wrapping around each other. It's like it's like filigree. It's like it's just perfect. It just can't be any other way. Well, I, I love both of them. What can I say? Yeah. And I've always loved that period of uh, Sonny Rollins, too, when he was so consistently trying to put himself out of his own comfort zone, which, of yeah. course, is an instructive path for all of us who uh, fancy ourselves choosing an artistic journey. I, I think... Uh... Not just artistic, though, in other ways, too. I yeah. think that's important in this world. It's I hard. Think, um, there's, there's a lot, uh, uh, too much complicity and group think going on in the world. I yeah. think that's I think that leads to uh, the kinds of problems that we have. Well, he's But I pontificate. <laughs> not, not at all. Um it's it is hard to talk about this stuff without sounding really corny. But um, Well, especially you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just uh, Sonny Rollins is such an inspiration of um you know, he's so Earnest. There's something so pure about his uh, this struggle that he has. I mean, it makes me think of uh, you know, it's like Michelangelo's slaves. You know, this thing like the music just kind of becomes this uh, uh, residue of this this journey. Hmm. That Sonny's on. You know, releasing the form from the block of stone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this recording that we're listening to is the wake of him spending three years not playing in public and, mm -hmm. you know, just woodshedding on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he was on a he was on a monstrous trajectory mm -hmm. when that began. I mean, he could have easily, easily just taken the path that was being laid out for him and 
um, would have been a big star right away. Well, obviously, he did take the path that was laid out for him, but uh, it was one that he had a hand in in following. And I think that that is part of what's inspiring about Sonny Rollins. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's, you know, if not uh, the, one of the very few handful of greatest uh, improvised musicians alive, improvising musicians alive today. And, um, you know, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, it's so interesting being back here at KCR after really shedding blood, sweat and tears uh, on the floor, ceiling and walls of this place. Yeah. In its former incarnation. But it certainly feels the same, you know, which is a. Considering it's not even the same building, <laughs> right? Well, it is the same building. Well, it's, it's right. In the it's same called. Place. It has. A, it has. A, it's called by a different name. No, now. that building got leveled. Those really. Oh yeah, every brick is gone. From that. Ferris Booth must be rolling in his grave. <laughs> Why I ought to sovereign? <laughs> uh, he, ladies and gentlemen, is the former president of uh, Columbia University. Ooh, but I digress. That? Yes, you know it, it was interesting because in those years I was, um, you know, such a, a jazz freak, um, and so much of that uh, schooling was, uh, you know, a direct result of, of my time here at the station. You know, it's funny. I um, I remember I did an interview with Max Gordon mm-hmm. when his book yeah. came out live at the Village Vanguard, his memoir, which he created, the Village Vanguard. Max Gordon, as he did the Blue Angel before right. that, yeah, and even simultaneously, I think for a little mm-hmm. while he had both of them going. And um, I, you know, I really didn't know Mr. Gordon very well, but I invited him up here. I read the book and just loved it. You know, all the stories about Coleman Hawkins and you know everybody he had worked with and I invited him up and we did a half hour interview on a public affairs show at the time in the early 80s and we hit it off so nicely on the air much as you and I are in this <laughs> really? moment Mr. Goldman Wow! that uh, we just continued to roll tape because it was analog at the time and we did another half hour show and I'll always be so grateful to him for this memory he, um, he invited me out for dinner Afterwards, he said, you know, come on, come on downtown with me. And uh, we took a cab, which was, whoa, you know, (laughs) like another world for me at that time. Kind of still is. Um, (laughs) And he took me to a wonderful Italian restaurant. I I can't remember the name of it on, um, but it was on uh, McDougal Street, just uh, south of Bleecker. You had to go up to the second floor. And... uh, Wonderful Italian meal, and it, it was it was almost like he was holding court. You know, everybody was coming up and kissing his ring, including Odetta. Wow, I remember at the time, and uh, everybody was just fawning all over him, and I was I was just beside myself with happiness. And he said, "Well, come on, you know, come on by the club." So we took a cab over to the Vanguard, and uh, he walked me down the stairs. And as we walked in, the, you know, was the music had not started yet. He announced to everybody, this guy never pays. <laughs> wow. Well, you think that still works? <laughs> for, a, for a 20-year-old jazz fan in 1980, you do the math, um, it, was, it was like such a delightful carte blanche. All these years I've been giving you cash and you've been just putting it in your pocket. Well, that's just for my time to speak with you. That's oh, by reasonable. the way, by the way, uh, 
I have to talk to you about the voucher for the uh, for the gas and the tolls today. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, just remind me before we go. You have cash, right? We'll put it through the slush fund. Okay, good. Because it's nice and slushy out there. <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so I took that. I took that as uh, as a uh, a red carpet welcome mat that I yeah. I took him up on it, and I went back to the Vanguard. I would say a minimum of three times a week for the next several years. And true enough, Cliff at the door never made me pay. God bless him. <laughs> Although I still paid for my drinks. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I was underage, it was not a big deal in those years. <laughs> right. No, but, you were but not underage. The, but one of the things... Drinking age was lower then. Was it really? Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't paying any attention anyway. I wasn't really into <laughs> But they didn't... You know what? At that time, because I was hanging out there then too, and I was a couple of years younger than you, <laughs> and they never asked anybody for proof of age. No. Like if you were interested enough to walk down those stairs that was all the proof of age That's you right. needed i've i've actually i i suspect that you've caught up to me age once i passed you several years ago you actually, actually. do seem much older than me <laughs> but that could be my persistent immaturity again i digress however one of the things that i was thinking about in relation to the music we were just and listening the fact to that you move at the speed of light <laughs> time actually passes slower for you what is that uh oh, somebody some listener will know the actual speed of light i don't know um, one of the one of the uh, signal experiences that I had in those years was hearing Sonny Rollins in a group at the Vanguard, and just loving the fact that he would extemporize solo in between numbers, and almost uh, in lieu of speaking to mm. the audience, he would just put the horn in his mouth and just extemporize. Mm. And I loved it. It became one of my favorite parts of hearing him. And subsequently, I interviewed him a couple of times on the radio. And one of the, I, I shared that with him in, in one interview, and we talked about that. And then in, a, in another interview, he said, I asked him where his favorite place to play was. Mm. And he said, wherever there's no ceiling, mm. was the way he put it. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, to 1985, uh, yes, and I was working at the Museum of Modern Art, the fabled MoMA, uh, in New York City, and I was doing all kinds of media work for them. And I sort of, be, I was on my way to becoming a performance curator there. And I got the gig of directing a project of live events outdoors in the Sculpture Garden. So, of course, the first thing I thought about doing was to give Sonny Rollins a chance to play. Solo unaccompanied, and where there was no ceiling in the sculpture garden. And lo and behold, it became that summer's hottest ticket, because it was a free show, Mm -hmm. ironically, Mm. which also was fitting. And uh, a wonderful memory, which uh, was was recorded on Fantasy and came out uh, as a record called The Solo Album. Yeah. You're listening to WKCR FM New York and perhaps WKCR HD1. I'm Mitch Goldman, the show's Jazz Alternatives, and I'm so happy to be here in the studio tonight with Andy Kaplow, who was the host of the show before I was. <laughs> the crowd just loves him. Is that HD1 as opposed to HD2? Well, right now I'm doing a different show on HD2. Is that right? Okay, yeah. Simultaneously. Again it's, again, it's done with mirrors. <laughs> yes. It's quite a feat. This uh, this is a 
another astounding document of this. I'm holding in my hand the LP, the jacket from the LP that came in. This was, we don't, I guess we don't really have uh, first issues in the music world that they, but if this were a book, uh-huh. this would be the original hardcover. And uh, there it says, Sonny Rollins, tenor saxophone. Did he, uh, did he, has he made any other solo recordings? Not that I know of, no. Yeah. I mean, he certainly always he did uses other solo that, performances. Right, he, he, he does play solo, you know, uh, while his band is on stage. And he's done some incredible oh, stuff. yeah, you know, those solo. cadenzas are legendary. Yeah, yeah. that's... He made a, a film not long after this concert. Right. I think it was just called Saxophone Colossus. I could be wrong. Uh, but there's incredible solo material in that, too. And uh, I just love it, you know, because you can really cozy into Sonny's sound, which is so unique and um, so virtuosic. Yeah. Did you uh, have any little uh, treasured moments from that day that you could share with the, the folks? No, I, I don't have any little ones. Only <laughs> no. huge, big ones. Go ahead. What kind of a day was it? Was it a hot summer New York day? Yeah, it was, uh, I remember it well. Tell me. July 19th, 1985. I was in love with my intern. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. And, uh, yeah, oh, it was was a beautiful love affair. Lasted lasted two years. Oh, hi. Oh, yes, Mitch. Yes. um, And, um... Sonny was there. Yes, it was all very exciting. The whole series was really very cool. You know, we also had... Art Ensemble. uh, The Art Ensemble of Chicago. We had Amplified. The Sonny show was completely acoustic, although it was recorded by Fantasy. And uh, the late Butch Morris Mm. had uh, a a performance. And so did uh, John Zorn, who I know is one of your favorites. Mm. Um, and uh, with a, uh, a group of drummers and dancers, and we had uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. We did some theater events. Uh, I did a, a thing with um, John Cage, 15 Harps. Wow. Uh, with John Cage. How did I miss that one? Uh, Mitch, there's so much you don't know. <laughs> you know, I keep telling you, I, I keep begging no, you, I... please pay attention over here. Since I moved to the back. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a window out on the street. I'd see people going by. I would talk to them. Well, you know, let's face it. This postmodern world we're in, especially when we're talking about MoMA, is uh, it's very hard to pay attention to everything uh, coming over the transom. You were there. You I were was there. there. I you was were there. sipping heartily from that cup. <laughs> yes, I was. And uh, boy, did we have a lot of fun. We, uh, the, the museum, in, in many ways, was a playground for me for about... Uh, four or five years and uh this was certainly the height of it um because uh well i don't want to digress too much but it was the end of my career at moma because uh i staged a santeria event with milton cardona and um uh well it all got written up in the new yorker but basically i was given two weeks to clear out my office because there was a riot out on the street. There was so much attention and people were not able to come into the garden that uh, we had to evacuate an audience of 3,000 people through the museum building to 53rd Street instead of 54th Street. Whoa. Because the Santeria worshipers were hearing the gods associated with doorways uh, being disrespected by by not having admission to the garden. 
So uh, they began speaking in tongues, and the police were called, and they didn't come. But I digress. In any event, uh, sunny July 19th. I never heard that story before. Well, as I said, it's written up in The New Yorker by, um, I think, Bill Mc- the famous Bill McKibben wrote it up for Talk of the Town, who now is a champion of uh, growing uh, and living locally. Hmm. Up in, um, I think, Middlebury College. He's a, hmm. he's a quite a celebrated uh, academician. Uh, but uh, he wrote a nice piece about it, if you, if you care to look it up in the, the analog uh, yeah. archives. Yeah, wow. That's a shame. That's a terrible shame. You were doing great things there. Well, you know, I was young. I, I had no mentor, really, uh, at that time. And so I was <laughs> sort of out on a limb with no limits as a 25-year-old kid. And uh, I can't say I really, especially in retrospect, I don't regret it because I, I like Sonny as an, yeah. as an artist, I really was out of my comfort zone and taking a lot of chances Sounds and risks. Like you took the whole museum out of its comfort zone. <laughs> well, at the time, somebody, somebody wrote up somewhere. That's an extraordinarily rare <laughs> thing. And it speaks to a kind of power that you unleashed that and especially now maybe that wouldn't be so easy to happen now that these institutions go to such lengths mm. to protect the brand sure mm-hmm. and i'm sure there was some of that thinking going on at the time but not to the level that it happens now well i i remember there was a a latin journalist who wrote up the santeria event in the village voice i think it was and he said something like you know Wow, this is such an unusual event for this uh, for this kind of of establishment cultural institution. It's it's almost like you know house cleaning for the Blancos, you know. <laughs> and uh, that is in fact what it turned out to be, you know. And I was a casualty of it, but yeah. um, you know, hey, it's it's uh, part of life, part of the path. <laughs> so, but anyway, to get back to Sunny, it was. You know, there was so much attention to it. And, of course, he came to the museum and did a photo shoot in advance with my old friend Lona Foote. Yeah. The dear departed Lona, who I think about all the time, was a wonderful photographer. And uh, she took some fabulous images um, of Sonny in the garden, which I have to dig out and, you know, publish somewhere. But um, he, he was wonderful and he, was, he, he had a wonderful attitude about it. And then the night of the show, he wanted to, you know, we had him in a dressing room and he began to do this sort of moaning, plaintive kind of meditation, which was avowedly him confronting the challenge of walking out there with no band behind him and no amplification and thousands of people waiting to hear what he was going to do um, and him really feeling the, uh, the, the, the pressure of whether he was really up to um, what his reputation was suggesting he was completely capable of doing. And, of course, he did. Was he seemingly panicking? Was no, he... no. No, he wasn't panicking. I, You know, I... Uh, he and I talked about doing some work together after this event, but we never did. And I, I again, and it, it was almost like um, I sort of didn't want to disturb the whole experience, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because it was so special. 
and has stayed with me in such a, a treasured place, as you suggest. Um, but, so I don't know whether this was part of a regimen that he would go through either regularly or periodically right. or at all. I have no right. idea, but I know what I witnessed, and um, I know that he was certainly summoning the depths of his capabilities to confront this moment where he was going to walk out there and uh, and entertain and uplift. But, you know, one of the things that I remembered that as we were talking when um, when the live material with uh, Bob Cranshaw and Billy Higgins and uh, Don Cherry was playing just now was about how much he idolized Coleman Hawkins. Oh, oh yeah. And you can hear um, him quoting Coleman Hawkins in this solo piece that he does. He's a quoter. He's the great quoter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And making it his own. Uh, yeah. At, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... I've interviewed him a number of times, and I don't think I've ever spoken with him when he didn't talk about Coleman Hawkins and the influence of what it meant just to... Because he... Coleman Hawkins lived in Sonny's neighborhood when Sonny was growing up. Uh-huh. And the specter of seeing this elegantly turned out man right walking down the street and he had come to think of it done picasso yeah yeah right yeah in, uh, uh, that was in the 30s yeah. wasn't it yeah 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 so there solo. you go right solo unaccompanied that that's he, the whole point and here was at moma right where with picasso sculptures around so there that had to be a factor in sonny's choice to do this you know it's funny too thinking about it now that um the museum of modern art which is what we're talking about there was a pretty long period of time where there really was not a distinction to be made between what was modern and what was contemporary. And those two things have kind of pulled away from one another. Absolutely. In the, in the last 30 years. Sure. Well, there was, I mean, the, the hip vernacular at the time was yeah. to call it postmodern. Right. I mean, we're talking about the 80s. Right. So even in the late 70s, I think there was, they had done, uh, my predecessor at Summer Garden, which was the outdoor series of uh, uh, events, uh, Earl Hattelberg, hmm. wonderful man, had a postmodern improvised dance festival, which was incredible, where these dancers would, you know, would contact improvisation. Hmm. Uh, amazing dancers. You know, so I and that was in the seventies where that was being called uh, postmodern. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a different language and everything. But thinking about what you're saying, modernism, Museum of Modern Art, Picasso, Coleman Hawkins, all of a piece, mm -hmm. arguably, sure, contemporary, and also uh, creatively pursuing the same goals in different media. Absolutely, and yeah. that meant. Uh, you can't even overstate what that meant in Sonny Rollins. Uh, apparently, we can't even state it. I, we can't even. I we can, we can understate it. We can misstate it. I think we could <laughs> listen to it. Well, funny you <laughs> should say that because I hold in my hand. Are you going to talk about what you're holding in your hand right now? That is disgusting, I Mitch. Got a solo album called The Solo Album. This is the solo album. We were saying, had Sonny Rollins made other recordings? Obviously not. 
or this would be called <laughs> a solo album. But in fact, it is the solo album. This is a live recording of the event that you, Andy Kaplow, produced July 19th, 1985. Hey, let's, you know, this is, uh, this is my time for blunt honesty. When was the last time I, you listened to this? Oh, it's been a, a, been a, a number a number of years, a, a large <laughs> number of years. Have you listened to it over and over again? Do you, or do you remember well, section I, for section? I, I sort of prefer, in, you know, in my own reverie to remember it as it was happening. Mm. Uh, I mean, and it's a, obviously a very fond memory. It's certainly in the, in the jazz world, although, uh, you know, I did a lot of things I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of in the jazz world. This one really, you know, uh, got me enormous uh, acclaim as far as substance goes. I know Gary Giddens described it as, I used to use this in my resume back when I was making resumes. Um, what did he say? He said it was one of the most eagerly awaited jazz events of all time. Wow. Those are some pretty heavy words from <laughs> Gary Giddens. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, it's like, you know, what, what the hell was I going to do to top that, right? <laughs> That's up to Sonny. You're done. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we should give it a little spin. Hey, why not? Let's see if it's any good. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard this, have I, you? No. Honestly, I have played this many times on these airwaves. Were you and at that show? That's a little touchy subject, Andy. It is really. You <laughs> I missed there? that one. Oh, you did. Oh, another one you missed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because you can beg, you can plead, and still your good friend will not show up. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm just remembering that where I was. Yeah. Where anyway, were you? where were you? I'd I was like to know, man. Nearby. I was close. <laughs> he was nearby. I was living on 80th Street. Oh. Between Columbus and Amsterdam, but it's another story in for Cleveland another time. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, back to Cleveland. Sonny Rollins. We're talking about Sonny Rollins. We're talking about Sonny Rollins with Andy Kaplow. We're talking about Sonny Rollins with Andy Kaplow on WKCR eighty nine point nine or WKCR HD one. Hey, did we do a did we do a legal uh, station? One of us did. <laughs> one of us did. Okay. Yes. By the way, oh, I, I want to talk to you about this. My uh, my third class FCC license is expired. <laughs> it's in the uh, box. Uh, is there anything you can do? <laughs> yeah, I've got can you, you covered. Can you stamp me? <laughs> you, you're supposed to get it validated. I know you can hardly stand me, but can you stamp me? <laughs> you didn't start the parking, parking garage. That's the voucher. We'll talk yeah. about that later. And, uh, it's an accounting anomaly, I understand. You can also tune in on wkcr.org on the web. You can send that to your friends the world over. And WKCR HD1. That too. Yeah, we're everywhere. Wow. Got it. Oof, I'm exhausted. And still nobody's getting paid. And nobody's listening. <laughs> All right, look. <laughs> I'm wearing it Mitch, out already. Mitch, I think you're supposed to press the go button oh, and then raise the me. fader. All right, here it comes. There it's it coming is. at you. It's coming at you. All right, so this is Sonny Rollins, the solo album, live at the Museum of Modern Art, July 19th, 1985. Andy. I was so young. Here it comes. Coming at you. Coming at you. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Here. 
so bad was it was it maybe it was i don't know but uh, you made it this far so i guess there was something about it that you liked and uh so i'd like to hear about it you can email me the address is deep focus now deep focus now at gmail.com go ahead and send us your comments even better if you got something good to say by golly share it at instagram we are Deep Focus Podcast, deep underscore focus underscore podcast at Instagram. And uh, that's a great place to meet a community of like-minded folks to you. You didn't know there were any of us. There are some of us. There are a few of us. That's where we are. And um, you should subscribe if you haven't done it. Go ahead, sign yourself up. Don't cost nothing. And if you like it, then please do Give us some likes and five stars and thumbs up and what have you, because that's going to help some people who don't know about this show to find it. That would be a really great thing. I'm giving it all away. That's a little thing that we ask in return, if you could do that for us. All right. See you over at part two, huh? <laughs>